everyone, and welcome to season four of The Right Perspective. More than ever before, we need you to like, share, and subscribe on any and every platform that you use to engage with us. This year, we are finally implementing marketing uh, and monetization strategies. So we need them likes, okay? Okay. Bro and sis, do you have anything to say to our viewers and listeners as we launch into this new season? I'm just excited. I'm excited for season four. Looking forward, looking forward to season 53. <laughs> I just wanted to say, why were y'all listening to any other podcast? Oh my God. At all. Facts. I mean, just Facts. all of them. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> no, Listen welcome to back. Us. Boy, only us. A hundred percent of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the four. This I can't believe it's season four, but I'm excited. Crazy? It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great. We got a great lineup this mm-hmm. this season. Yes, we do, y'all. I'm so amped, you know. And I got to tell you, I think we picked the right movie to kick us off. Oh, I think yeah. we picked the right movie. So today we're going to recap and review Ray, a 2004 biopic focusing on 30 years in the life of iconic musician Ray Charles. The film was co-produced and directed by Taylor Hackford and written by James L. White. It stars Jamie Foxx and also uh, Carrie Washington, Clifton Powell, Harry Lennox, Terrence Howard, Lorenz Tate, Richard Schiff, Regina King, all of those folks in supporting roles. People we they love. Oh, oh, listen, casting cast. check. Okay. And the film grossed, ready? $124.7 million worldwide against a budget of 40 million. Wow. It was nominated, right? And y'all, this was an independent film. I did not know that. I didn't know that. It definitely doesn't have that quality of a of a big of a of a film from a major movie house. So it was nominated for six Academy Awards and it won two Best Actor in a Leading Role for Jamie Foxx. Yay! Which he deserved, I gotta say. Sometimes the awards are like, uh, who cares? It's political, but he clearly deserved that. Best sound mixing, they also won. So, you know, and for some, these facts. The 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 budget, the gross, the gross numbers, the 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 awards. For some, these facts will be enough to consider this movie a classic. Uh, but today, we will determine whether it is a classic from other right perspective. We'll do a recap. We'll discuss the movie, and then we'll take a vote using a voting symbol picked especially for this discussion. But we always start with intros. Kick us off, bro. Hi, I'm Aubrey Wright. I'm the oldest. I'm Janiah Wright. I'm the middle. <laughs> And I am Brittany Wright. The main reason you came back. <laughs> I am the youngest. Starting already. Hello. Hello, world. <laughs> <laughs> You're the reason I'm back, sis. <laughs> <laughs> well, y'all, let's pick a voting symbol. Um, and you know, I had two that I that that came to me. Okay. Oh, that I'll recommend. Okay, so clearly nothing's changed. Um <laughs> <laughs> the first one is um sunglasses, his sunglasses. Oh, but I am not recommending them for the times he was wearing them. I am recommending the sunglasses for the times he oh, wasn't so he wasn't wearing them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is those formative years as a little boy before he lost his sight. Okay. And even in the beginning when he was musically gifted, but he hadn't yet made it big. 
right? This is before he even was on a band. He didn't wear those glasses, okay? Um, and also in his intimate moments um, where he was with his wife and when he was in rehab, um, those were the moments where he did not have those glasses on. You know, and, uh, you know, we we did a lot of research, you all, to to prepare for this this conversation, including watching um, a, an actual uh, documentary about Ray, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. But his son, um, one of his sons in the in the documentary said it. He was like, you know, his first son, I think when my father was in rehab. Um, was the time where I feel like I knew him the most because it was when he was the most vulnerable. And so it's for those moments when he wasn't wearing the sunglasses that I recommend the sunglasses as an option. Mm. You know, the other voting symbol I was kind of playing around with, I didn't get to fully formulate, you know, the thought was the state of Georgia because that was his birthplace. The whole, the whole state. That was his birthplace. And you have to remember, you know, they rejected him for trying to be himself, you know, and for trying to do the right thing, you know, and eventually they came now, around. Question. I thought he was born in Florida. He was born in Georgia, raised in Florida. As yeah. Well. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they eventually came around and I think that's like a great analogy for what happened in the music industry as well, because at first he was doing all kinds of things that people just could not immediately accept. Oh, but then they came around, you know? So, uh, like for example, he was fusing, um, you know, R and B, you know, lyrics over gospel music. Um, and that, you know, of course the churchy folks didn't like it one bit. Okay. And then even later, he started to incorporate jazz and country into his sound. And again, people just weren't ready, but then they got ready because he did such a good job. Um, and so like the state of Georgia, the music industry eventually came around. So anyway, that, maybe I'll put both of those forward as options. Those are my two potential recommendations, sunglasses and the state of Georgia. Excellent. So <laughs> and I recommend at the end of this podcast, we take our own R&B song our own gospel song turning into an artist. <laughs> Brittany, that's the reason we keep coming back. That's the reason we keep coming back for these top-notch ideas that you have. You're welcome. It's <laughs> so good. <laughs> Bro, did you come up with any? No, if only you remember the f- format of the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to write it down this season. <laughs> I'm going to write it down. No, I had it. To, to me, it's another one of those that has to be the glasses, like for me. But I, for when he does wear them. Because mm. oh. oh. <laughs> I, I like, I like how, I like how, you know, his whole name was uh, it was Ray Charles Robinson, right, right, and uh-huh, I, uh-huh. but it was like. You know, when he puts on his glasses, he becomes Ray Charles. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's, it's like he enters that musical persona. Yes. And uh now they're iconic. You know, yes, just... yes. And it's funny because like when I think of Stevie Wonder, who also you know, he wears sunglasses, but I don't know why his sunglasses aren't as synonymous with him to me. You know, like when I think of Stevie Wonder, I more think of braids, you know, like, yeah. but but for whatever reason, the, the sunglasses aren't, don't connect in a way, like you can see a pair of sunglasses and think 
Ray, Ray Charles. Wow. Love that. Love that. that. Yeah, that's true. I love that. Sis, sis, any spur of the moment thoughts? Sunglasses. Uh-oh, rocket fire. <laughs> okay. Go. Piano. A bus. Racism. All right, that's enough. Okay. Um, that's enough. The Chitlin right. Circle. All right, all right, all right. All right. I'm not done. This is what we do when we take the reins off. Oh, you're done. Oh, you're done. I think we could go ahead and go glasses. All three of us said glasses. Everyone, Uh, our voting symbol is sunglasses. And at the end of this podcast, we will take a vote. And this movie must receive three pairs of sunglasses in order to be considered a, a classic from the right perspective. Okay? Not zero not one, not two, but three. All right. <laughs> so this is very exciting, y'all. So let's start with a recap. If you're new to our podcast, we always do a quick little recap at the top for those who haven't seen the content but want to enjoy the podcast or they haven't seen the content in a while because most of our stuff is rusty, crusty, dusty, and that's the way <laughs> we like it. Okay, let's do a quick recap of Ray. The movie really strategically uses flashbacks to tell like history, but for the sake of the recap, we'll pretty much just tell the story chronologically. Okay, just to keep it brief. So Ray Charles Robinson, played as a little boy by C.J. Sanders, is raised in a very poor town in Florida in the 1930s alongside his brother, George, by his mother, Aretha B., played by Sharon Warren. She's a kind, loving, and formidable presence in Ray's life, and his childhood is happy until Ray actually watches his little brother George drown in a laundry tub, thinking he was playing. And then two years later, he lost his eyesight. His mother taught him as much as she could about being independent while blind, and he also spent some time at a school for the deaf and blind that was miles away from home. And it's important to note that before all of this tragedy, his interest in the piano was actually sparked at a local general store. And by the time he's in his late teens and is now the actor Jamie Foxx, he is playing piano for a country band in Florida and eventually moves to Seattle to play jazz. They love him on the music scene for his talent, but they shun him for being blind and for being country, frankly. And people think he, um, people he thinks he can trust actually take advantage of him financially, making money off his talent. Eventually, he tries heroin really just to try to be part of the group. He's trying to get into the in crowd. And of course, he becomes addicted. The drugs, fortunately, do not affect his talent or work ethic. He shortens his name to Ray Charles and starts to blow up for his masterful piano playing and singing. By his mid-20s, he has a record deal with Atlantic Records. They nurture his talent and encourage him to find his own sound. He ultimately combines gospel and R&B and creates the genre known as soul music. He gets his own band, backup singers, and is finally making money and garnering fame and begins to enjoy lots of women while on the road. By his early 30s, he has negotiated a groundbreaking record deal with a new agency and has crossed over to the pop charts. Along the way, he gets married to a beautiful preacher's daughter in Texas named Della B, played by Carrie Washington. And as his star continues to rise, he incorporates jazz and country music into his sound. And um, of course, his use of drugs and women also increases. He and his wife has three kids and he has a child with one of his backup singers. 
As his star power and pockets continue to grow, so does uh, the drama. Okay, some of the folks he's known along the way become disenchanted with his business choices and allegedly start to steal from him. Also, he gets arrested for drugs a few times. He gets banned from the state of Georgia for refusing to play for segregated audiences. Eventually, he does go to rehab to keep from going to jail, but he never stops womanizing. By 1979, he is in his late 40s or early 50s and a bona fide musical icon. So much so, the state of Georgia apologizes and makes one of his best-known songs, Georgia On My Mind, the state song. And he continued to make music and remain a household name until he passed away in 2004, leaving behind a legacy that includes creating a genre of music, lots of smart business deals, and lots of philanthropy. He had given over $20 million to Black schools and charities for the blind and the deaf. Certainly, certainly a, a lot, a lot worthy uh, legacy. The end. Oh, <laughs> Excellent. 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 Thanks, bro. And sis, it feels good to do a <laughs> recap again. It feels very good. <laughs> and everyone, there's an important, if you, and if you didn't, uh, you know, watch or listen to uh, the conclusion of season three. Well, first of all, shame on you. Get on track. <laughs> that. Okay, one. that's number one. It's still available. No, oh, it's out there. Oh, it's out there. Just go listen to all of them. Listen to all of them, 100% of them. <laughs> and in our season finale, that was actually the very first time in all of our three seasons that we had done a biopic. And we had done um, What's Love Got to Do With It, uh, the biopic on Tina Turner. And in that conversation, we spent most of the time talking about like, what is the, what is the responsibility of a biopic um, and how is it different in terms of its relationship to the truth and how is it different from a documentary? So we were just talking about that push and pull of the documentaries, um, you know, usually at least it tends to be objective to some degree and just tell the story. Whereas, you know, a movie is going to have a, a, a perspective. It's a story being told. And so to prepare for this discussion of a biopic, we did something we've never done before, which is watched together a another movie <laughs> to actually support this conversation. And it was um, a documentary called, um, you know, Ray Charles, Genius of Soul. Okay. And we watched that so that we could have for the sake of this conversation an opportunity to go between the two and to, to, to continue that conversation of, of biopic versus documentary responsibility and contribution. So why don't we start there? Bro and sis, I'd love to hear from you about like, <laughs> how did the, um, you know, the watching of the documentary um, impact your experience of the movie? Did you watch the documentary first? Did you watch the documentary after the movie? Um, and what was your general experience of like having these, these two, Ray Charles stories in in your head at the same time. Well, I know for me, um, the documentary was a little bit boring, uh, <laughs> and I was struggling to get through it. I'm not gonna lie to you about that. I had to watch it in two parts. I was like, oh, but it was very informative. <laughs> it did. Um, confirm some of the things that were stated in the movie which was nice you know of course with movie and with cinema you have the that there's going to be extra dramatic things that they do <laughs> um but yeah so that that's really what it was 
I thought it was, I actually opted to watch it after I watched Ray and I was very, it seems like they got the story pretty right. You know, just, just watching the documentary and other than some small details that I, I think the way they presented the story served the story better. You know, I, I didn't have any problems with, with the couple of little things that they switched around for, for cinematic license. But the story of Ray is so fascinating in, in terms of the movie that, you know, it, it's just interesting to see that, man, this stuff actually happened. <laughs> it's actually happened. And I also was very impressed by how they had footage of, I did, I couldn't tell in the documentary if the footage was actually of Ray Charles as a child and stuff like that, but they had at least footage of one of those areas and where Ray grew up in the, in the movie. And it was like spot on. And obviously in the, in the documentary, the, everything is black and white naturally because we're talking about you know decades ago when when they're recording these things but it's always interesting watching those because you wonder i wonder for me i wonder what is what would it have looked like in color like like what would it have looked like to be in the theater when ray charles was singing this song and you only really have it in black and white what would it have been like and i think it gave me retroactively another aspect of the Ray movie to enjoy because now I felt like since I when you see in the documentary how they grew up in the, the neighborhood and stuff and now you got the color version it makes it, it enhanced it for me like wow I really it, it's almost like you got to peer into the past and they did such a great job of that and I, and I really don't think I would have understood how well, it was done if I hadn't watched the documentary as well. So so I, I definitely enjoyed that. Yeah. And I, I, I felt the same way. I was happy that I watched the movie first. And I had seen it. Let the record show. I had seen Ray before. We had all mm -hmm. seen Ray before, right? Like, oh, yeah. I saw it in the Yeah. I had seen out. Ray yep. before. So, But I was happy that I watched the movie again um, before yeah. I watched the documentary. Because then the documentary, it was like, um, it was really just affirming the things and almost flushing out the mm -hmm. things that were in the movie um, because they weren't really in disagreement too much, you know. Um, now, the other thing that's important to note, though, is that just like um, a movie is only two hours and can only tell so much, the documentary was only one hour, mm -hmm. you know, and so they really couldn't tell it all. You know, and so it was just interesting, though, that a lot of what they chose to tell in the documentary is what they chose to tell in the movie. So those two particular pieces of um, they were they were they they followed each other pretty well. Um, I will say there is a book that um, a biography that that Ray Charles had co-authored. Um, I believe it was it was it was it was in the 80s. Um and um, there is the author, the co-author of that book, David Ritz. Um, he says that they missed out. He 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 appreciated the movie for the most part. He thought jo Jamie Foxx did a massive job in terms of actually capturing Ray Charles's energy 
So he did celebrate that in this article. Um, the article is actually on slate.com and it's called, it's a shame about Ray. Why must biopics sentimentalize their subjects? Mm. And, um, you know, the, so what, what, what David Ritz is saying is like, boy, it was like, uh, Jamie Foxx did a great job, but they missed out on some opportunities. So one, one he points out is that, um, you know, we don't, they didn't address in the biopic and frankly, or in the documentary where he learned to play music so well. Isn't that interesting that neither one of those pieces. Well, I didn't that. Even think of that. I what about they said he went to school? He Not well, for music, though. No, he learned to play, to play music at the school for the blind and the deaf. So right. when he was I at know. that boarding school, that was yeah. where he learned uh, how to play. But music. they did. I see what you're saying. Like, but they okay. didn't make yeah. that a main part of the movie. Yeah, I guess yeah. I was missed yeah. opportunity. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah, I mean, they know? highlighted it just a bit in the documentary, but that was, mm-hmm. it was like a sentence. It was like a yeah, sentence. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it <laughs> was. When really it's quite a big deal to be away from home and to 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 build that skill set, you know. Um, and the other thing was, he ne- says that- the next movie. <laughs> Ray is a kid. Part two. <laughs> little Ray, L-I-L, Little Ray. <laughs> so, um, the other thing was after it's it was true, they talked about it in the movie, the biopic, they talked about it in the documentary, that at some point Ray Charles went to rehab and kicked the heroin addiction. But after he stopped taking heroin, he drank large quantities of gin every day and smoked large quantities of pot every night. Um, the author, David Ritz said, while working on his autobiography, he told me just like smack never got in the way of my working. Same goes for booze and reefer. What I do with my own body is my own business. You know, Ray maintained this attitude until his death, until his health deteriorated. In 2003, he told me that he had been diagnosed with alcoholic liver disease and hepatitis C. If I knew I was going to live this long, he added with an ironic smile, I would have taken better care of myself. Wow, that's something. So, I can but, appreciate that. Yeah, yeah and it's a little things like this. his sentiments. Yeah, totally. So, I, I mean, it's a good article that I, I think people could check out. Um, they point out a couple of other little things, like he had in his life as a child. He had two mother figures. He had his biological mother, and then he had a, a, a the one of his father's former wives. He called his biological mother Mama, and he called that other woman Mary Jane. He called her mother. You know, and um, Aretha, the mother that was portrayed in the movie, his biological mother, fostered his independence. And Mary Jane, this other mother, she indulged him all the time. And so um, and in this article, and this is a quote from it, the author said, for the rest of his life, Ray was as fiercely self-reliant as he was self-indulgent. Two dynamic Mm -hmm. women, two radically different approaches to his sightlessness. You can imagine the impact on his character. You know, so there were just some yeah. deeper themes uh, that the movie didn't get to, but you can't get to it all. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the thing because- You got to pick and choose. It's a like, whole life. Exactly. And, and, there, and, and there isn't um, anything I could think of in the movie that I would have wanted traded out. Mm, good like, point. I, I, I didn't, it, it didn't feel like, the movie is two and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. And personally, I didn't feel it. Mm-hmm. Okay. so that there are certain movies 
where you're watching, you're like, it was great, but we could have traded this scene for I mean, that. Yeah. Or deleted it. Or deleted minutes. it. Or deleted <laughs> it. You know, so, but, I, but I didn't. I, been I didn't. 30 minutes so long. I don't, although those things sound so interesting <laughs> to yeah. flesh out, I don't know. It didn't either. Yeah. There's a place for books. There's a place for biopics. Yeah. Yes. And there's a place for documentaries. That's my conclusion from this. It's yes. like you need all of these different things, but and if you're really interested in a person, you shouldn't rely on just one because you're not yeah. going to get it all. You know, now one, one, they could have threw a montage of him learning piano wouldn't at the hurt. school. Wouldn't have that, hurt. that they could have did that. Yeah, because that wouldn't have added. We love a good montage on the record. Yeah, yeah, and that wouldn't have added a lot of runtime. <laughs> okay. You we know what I'm saying? Love a montage. Yeah, but it's funny. I I, I wouldn't have thought of it. But now that is a skip. Yeah, he said said, Ray fails to include a single scene from his extraordinary educational experience is another grievous oversight. It was at that state school where he was taught to read Braille, play Chopin. How do you you pronounce that? Chopin? Chopin, I think. Chopin. Chopin. What's Chopin? Write arrangements. Um, Uh, A musical. A fate, like it's like he's like Bach. You know, oh, okay. so, and most classical. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm uncultured. Forgive me. Yeah. I can't remember how to pronounce it. <laughs> you just forgot. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> that's where he learned to write arrangements, learn piano and clarinet, and where he started to sing and discover sex. All of that happened at the state school. So that, anyway, but I think we got yeah, love that, 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 that could have discovered sex. That, I, <laughs> Then we could have left the sex. We like a good we montage, and we, we like we could have left the sex. But we could left the sex. But I would have loved. I would have liked. Now that it's mentioned, I would have totally. liked now it's a, a braille, yeah. a braille <laughs> learning, music learning, yes, montage. montage. Yeah, that's right. all. Because like- I didn't think about the braille. That's another thing. Like, yeah, and they, they showed him using they showed braille. reading. Yeah, braille, but also that would, yeah, but that, yeah, I, that, that's obviously coming from a person who really knows the story because I wouldn't have oh, that would have occurred to me. I will say this I was happy about the documentary confirming the relationship he had with Quincy Jones. Yeah, that was I was dope. really that happy was to see that. that was I was dope. so happy yeah. to see that. Yeah, I was, that was like, dope. You don't, I mean, just listening to the names or even seeing in a documentary the names that were in his band, like Dizzy Gillespie. It's just like, these are names you hear about. I mean, I also wanted to say I'm very happy that he was around when that was happening. Mm. So often people don't get a chance to tell their own story. Mm. And so I'm happy that he made it all the way. I don't know if he got a chance to see the movie. I know um, the answer. Or maybe like a pre-production Oh, you know the answer. I so, know the answer, y'all. So in addition around, to the so. fact that he gave a green light on the movie, he had what he had mm. he had read the script. Um, and in fact, he had requested a special Braille copy of the script, which they gave mm. to him. He read the script. He only made two slight tweaks. And this is from the creator of the movie saying this. He only made two slight tweaks, um, but in general, he was happy with the story. He did need, he wanted to audition the person that was going to be playing him, which was Jamie Foxx. And so Jamie Foxx had to audition for Ray Charles. This is how much Ray Charles Oof. was a part of the making of this movie. Um, and the good news is he did get to see it before he passed away. And in fact, he was planning to attend the premiere. 
You know, he died oh, in 2004. Oh. Movie came out in 2004. So close. Oh. That's why you got to give people their flowers. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to give it to them. You got to give ASAP. it to them. But yeah. the point is, he did get to see it, y'all. That's good. That's good. That's wonderful. Good. And, so happy and, to hear and, that. And I, I just wanted to... I love how the movie, to go back to what Britt said before we go past it, I love how the movie captured those moments of this is Quincy Jones and this is Ray Charles. These are two iconic people who have changed history forever. But at this moment, they're just some musicians. And like it's, it's just He's on the corner that, with his little, mac- his yeah, little saxophone. He can't get like, into the club. Like the dude is turning away <laughs> Quincy Jones. Like, right. Like you're like, you now you know it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I just you thought dumb. the movie did a great <laughs> job of that. And it wasn't corny. It was like, yeah. what he said, it was when he says, when you find out it's Quincy Jones, it was just very naturally done. And I, I really liked that part too. And watching that in the documentary, like Britt said, it was I just like, to- that's probably how it was. That's probably I, how mm-hmm. it was. I had to look up Quincy Jones' age because I just feel like Quincy Jones is timeless. I was like, oh, you 90, yo? I said that makes Man, sense. But I mean, you when, 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 I was like, and time is a thing because <laughs> when at the end of that movie, when he when they said uh, when they did the little over, you know, when they put the words on the screen and they're, and they're talking about him being the the, the band being lifted in nineteen seventy nine, you're like, golly, like, <laughs> like, wait a minute, right? We was almost in nineteen eighty, but I'm just saying they're not they're not that old. You, I mean, they're old now, but it's not as far back as it's not. And I will tell you, so, and I I wanted, this is another question I have for the two of you is about like, um, your relationship to Ray Charles, you know, before this experience of, of preparing for the podcast. Um, for me, I gotta be honest, I was searching my brain and I think the first time I saw Ray Charles was on Sesame street. You know, and I remember him playing on Sesame Street with some of the little characters singing something. Um, and I didn't look up what, what it was, but I have a clear memory of what they were singing, but I have a clear memory of, of Ray Charles on Sesame Street. Okay. Um, and I also in prep for this podcast, I listened to um, a Spotify playlist of his of his music. I sent it to y'all. Did y'all get a chance to listen to some of it? You know, did, you did y'all get a playlist? I did. I sent you a link to a Spotify playlist. You sent us y'all, uh, what y'all need to know, <laughs> podcast land. Janai got so hyped about this. She sent us 17 links, honey. I probably got to two. Uh-uh. Are you saying, are you saying <laughs> Janai became obsessed? That doesn't sound like her it's, at all. It doesn't sound, it doesn't sound like her of at all. It's <laughs> a little, strange it's little conclusion listen. you've drawn. Um, <laughs> you we enjoying to, homework? You have the, craziness. Exactly. You have to remind the people of our levels of preparedness. <laughs> right. Janai well, is overly prepared. Aubrey is just right. And well, I'm I watched it. Yeah, we're like we're, we're like the three little bears or yeah. whatever. But uh, well, but let I, me tell my, y'all about the, the biggest... playlist. Let me tell y'all about the playlist though. The playlist it was his greatest music, and here's the good news: both the 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 documentary and the biopic they got a lot of his greatest hits. They did integrate them. So if you didn't do additional work to to hear his music, you still heard his greatest hits. 
But I will say the value in listening to the playlist was that we, I was hearing things that are not at the level of Georgia on my mind, but were still for his audience base in his top hits. Right. And um, and I got to tell you, you know, it's not just those those shiny songs that we're used to hearing. He is just an amazing he was just an amazing performer. I mean, these songs were the kind of songs, like, you know how you know there are some songs that are timeless? Um, you know, like, I Will Always Love You for Whitney Houston. Mm. That song is going to be good 800 years from now. Mm. Every one of these Ray Charles songs, I was like, why is it still so good? Even though it's clearly based on the way it feels dated, it is still so good to me right now. It feels like it will always be good. Mm. So anyway, that was another part of the prep for me and getting to know him you know but bro I cut you off I'll say the biggest I remember obviously when we were kids you got the right one baby was a Uh huge thing but uh this is the marketing campaign for Pepsi you're talking yes marketing campaign for you got the right that was everywhere Everywhere. that was everywhere and And we um, still say it yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 that's one of the things that permeated. It'll it'll always be there. But um, also, before I even, I had a connection to Ray Charles before I really knew who it was Ray Charles. And that was from when we were kids and we were watching Cosby Show. And, uh, uh, yes, I was going to say yeah. that. And oh, so that was, a, that's right. know, that, that was a very... I didn't know that and was Ray Charles at the time, though. We, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, like we didn't connect. Like, it just sounded like an old song. Totally. But, you know but, the right time. No, yeah, and then, you know, because I, right I, I can still see them singing, and, and you know, bringing Rudy out, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so good. He just walked her out. She did the baby, and then she, he walked her back. Yeah. And the other thing, the last thing I want to say is that I love what some people call neo soul or or, or the mm. fusion mm. of soul with the hip hop, and I love that genre mm. of music. Like from the yeah. just from the beginning, yes, I mean, yes. just just the I remember being in my dorm room in freshman year watching Erica Badu in that. Because they had, remember back, Brittany might be too young, but but like for and Janelle might be borderline, but we it was it was it, when I was in school, like you could like just watch videos, you know, videos would just play randomly, yes, <laughs> and, and uh, that came on, and just that, you know, the the on and on, and I'm like, what is this? Because it's just so crazy, but I'm saying when you realize that all of that tracks back to has roots a, 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 a genre of music that he literally just created that's right and the, the point i'm trying to make is is i think a lot of us were impacted by ray and don't even know it you know mm. like I, I i think i think it's just he was so impactful that there's so much that could track back to that mm. you know what i mean mm-hmm so. Oh my gosh. And bro, everything you just shared. Um, it's a great opportunity for me to, 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 to share an important little factoid we got from the documentary, which is that Ray Charles had no top 10 hit since 1966, but he continued to make money through endorsements, 
endorsements and collaborations. And his voice continued to become more and more iconic without top 10 hits. You see, it was just, it's all of these other things, these ways that he was just infused into an impacting and driving culture. We didn't even realize it was happening. You know? It makes you think how, when they showed him singing to those country crowds and stuff like that. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder, he brought, he impacted some people and changed Big how time. they think about life. You know Big what I mean? Time. Like Big time. I'm sure. And I think that would be a good transition for us to talk about the music in the movie. Isn't Absolutely. that one of the things we got to... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So do it, bro. Take us there. I I wanted to ask you all this. First of all, obviously, all the music scenes are fantastic. Wow. I, I mean, the, 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 when they say, what was the one that he made up right on the time uh, that he made up on the spot? Um, watch what I say. What I say. Right. Yes. And that scene. What I scene, say. Yes. yes. And I'm sure Janai has factoids about all this, but <laughs> the when when he did all of the, the when I first saw the movie, I went to look up to see if he actually sang the different parts mm-hmm. on that one song where he where he replaced the Ray Letts. And he did that. You yes. know what I mean? Like yes. and I'm just saying, I think they caught all of those moments mm. beautifully. Every single last one. Yes. My question to you two is this. With most, I feel like they lip sync in, in this movie. Okay, so so they lip sync. They did a great, as good of a job as you could do lip syncing. Absolutely. They did it. And Jamie Foxx also had to sync up his his playing on the piano. Well. That's I, another I, important I, point. He did. But he played it. Oh, he played it. Yeah, he yeah, learned they, those songs. Yeah, he, he so yeah. So it was not so, just a voice sync up. He also right. was playing. Yeah, he, he played. He played this. My question is, I think Jamie Foxx could have handled it. I, I think. I, I think he could have sang for real. And I, and I just wonder how it would have hit harder because in those moments you know he's he's lip syncing. because as phenomenal as everything is, you know, and you accept it. It's cool. It's cool. It's fine. But I think he could have did it because he sang that um, on a, a Kanye song. You know, that was Ray Charles singing uh, on Gold Digger. That's Jamie Foxx. And it sounds like Ray Charles. Wow, so I, I so, know that. Mm-hmm. So, so, I, I, so I wonder, I wonder, and I wanted to know what you all felt about that. Sis? Well, I was, it made me laugh. Thinking about that in particular, when that song came on, which movie, one? Which one? Uh, where he, um, she, she gives money. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> I did not realize that they had changed the lyrics completely for the Kanye West song. I said, "Oh, this song is quite the opposite of Gold Digger." Oh yeah, so, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's I was quite, like, oh, "I didn't realize that." It's quite, quite. different. Yeah. Um, I, you know. I do believe that Jamie Foxx could have handled it. He's extremely talented. Like he is, you know, I'm waiting for him to have his EGOT, right? Like Mm -hmm. this, that is Jamie Foxx. He's going to get get it. it. Like just give it to him. Go get it. And so I am, but on the other hand, I'm very happy that they did do voiceovers because Mm -hmm. Even though someone could have done it, he could have done it live. 
there is something very different about the musicianship and how things sounded because of the way things were recorded back in the day versus how they are recorded now. Things are much more clear now. Back in the day, things were not as clear. Mm-hmm. You could still make them out. You could still listen to them. Mm-hmm. It was still really go- good, but they just weren't as um, I, I professionally. Well, they, they did as best as they could with the things that they had. So I'm ha- happy that they used previous recordings and they just lip sync. Thank you for that, sis. I mean, we watched it. Yeah, that, that, that makes me feel, and I didn't feel bad about that, but that makes me feel a little... Yes. Yeah, that's we a good watched, point. We that's watched in point. the movie for the creation of the A track. He was playing, he was already out making music when the A track came out. And he, as an artist, had the opportunity to do that layered vocal recording, mm-hmm. you know? So, literally, the technology was changing over the course of the movie that they had available to them. Yeah. But I'm going to tell y'all something, and I'm going to be real transparent right now. That's because we are a community at the right perspective, <laughs> okay? Well, y'all... I just want you to know this is not a safe space. Yeah. <laughs> this space no, is not safe, honey. So, but I can't wait. I'm judging, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was Jamie Foxx. I'm not going to lie. I, the whole time, and this is why really? I, I did, because I know of his talent, job. and I know he could do it, I thought he did do it because the other thing that I did, I, I waited to do my research until after I watched the movie. Okay. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. But I did know that Ray, that, that, that Jamie Foxx could play at the piano. I knew that already. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, he because, can sing. and he can sing and he's a great impressionist. That's yes. part of who he is as a comedian yeah. and an actor. It's a masterful impressionist skill set. And so I thought in the same way that he was so physically well, embodying Ray Charles that he was singing them songs. Um, and it was, it was later when um, it was actually when the, when it started to dawn on me, when there were other voices on the recordings. Yes. That, that, that's what, that's when I figured it out. When Regina King was but, but I, I can see, I can see what you're saying though. But it, until Regina King started lip singing, I thought Jamie Foxx was doing them, doing them songs. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, now, but when he, some of the videos I watched, when he was talking about his prep, he had to learn every single one of those songs. Oh, and here's a quick, so on the topic of the music, this is a super fun uh, little trivia bit. Do you know it, that it, they had, they were, they had picked Jamie Foxx for the role and did not know he could play the piano? So, really? yes, yes. But so, that was, you know, I thought that was on the documentary. So they had picked Jamie Foxx for this role. What did and, I watch? Um, and he oh, was, it was the YouTube video that talked about that. Okay. Yes, it was somewhere in one of those videos. I yeah. Said, you know, and he was in the end. He was in the um, auditioning process already, and it was coming down to the end of it, and he was going to be auditioning for Ray Charles. And they were just talking about the logistics of all of this, and they were like, you know, um, when we're shooting the movie, we're going to have to shoot you, shoot your face. And then have um, your double's hands playing the piano. And Jamie was like, I told the, he was like, y'all don't know I can play the piano? He said, I went to college on a classical piano scholarship. He, he <laughs> would play piano. He would play piano in his in his sets. Everywhere. In his stand-up sets. Totally. And in his uh, show, in, in the late the later seasons of the Jamie Foxx show. Remember? He played yeah. the piano because he yeah. was an ad exec. So, I remember the first time I heard him sing was watching In Living Color, and he said, we're going to do something special. And they say, he sang up the, the uh, Donnie, was it the Donnie, hang up the missile. Oh. 
And I'll be like, few people would I say, go ahead and sing that Donny Hathaway. Yeah. And I would say yeah. that to Jamie Foxx. So I think that that is sad though. That they didn't know he knew how to play. Yeah, the that's anthem. that's just weird because y'all didn't you're research? in the industry. <laughs> and he did this on on camera though, you know, like yes. <laughs> right? Like you admitted it. Yeah, okay, but I am but, happy but, you were honest. But could but... you cast him based on just his look and his ability to act in the role? Absolutely, absolutely. If you didn't know, and, he was still perfect for it. And and what I will say is, they did the best job of lip syncing I've ever seen. And even in when they were doing the um. Watch what I say, even down to the detail of him flipping the mic, because it was like you was seeing it at first, and the mic wasn't the right direction. Yes, and then he, you know, turned yes. the mic around. I, I, that is some attention to detail. So good, he did a great so good. Right there. Now, so. and I will say this though, personally, I thought one person did not do well with Uh-oh. the managing of what is it called again? What are we talking about? Lip singing. Lip singing. That's okay. <laughs> um, it was the one that played the the first um Marianne Fisher played thank by you, her Anjanu Ellis. Yes. Now Anjanu Ellis is amazing. She did an amazing job acting. She she, she did it. She awesome always job. does a good job acting. She, she's so good. She's so good. I just don't think she did the lip singing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, how she was presenting herself when she was lip singing it did not match the way that voice sounded mm-hmm. but outside of that nothing to do with her acting nothing how she portrayed herself she did an amazing job I just don't think she did a great job lip singing mm-hmm. um and Regina King she did well um she did well because she is a very great with acting with her face she's so good she's at good at just, everything she's amazing at everything I just I just started watching 227 again uh, recently, and it, that show gets deep. By the way, I, and it, in ways that we couldn't check for as kids and but, younger. Wow! But you're right. Like, just she's a very special talent. Mm, I mean, she really is. And let's. So now that we started to talk about the actors and the I love the, it. the performances, right now. let's talk about like some of these other people. So we had Carrie Washington who played yes. his wife. We had Clifton Powell, who played Jeff Brown, who was um, the very first manager that Ray Charles had and trusted. Who eventually um, they had a they they went their separate ways. Um, we had Terrence Howard, who played you know a member of the <laughs> the band and the the musical community that was taking advantage of um, Charles. Um, then we had Lorenz Tate playing Quincy Jones, Bo Keen Woodbine, yes, playing Fathead Newman, who was the friend of, uh, and a bandmate who just tried to discourage, um, you know, Quincy, uh, uh, Ray Charles from even, from even starting the drugs. He was like, I'm over here doing drugs, but I don't want you to do them. Don't do it, buddy. He was like, it's, it's not worth it. Don't get this addiction. Um, and then we have Richard Schiff, who played Jerry Wexler, Curtis Armstrong, who played Ahmed Eritgun, um, Sharon Warren played Aretha Robinson, as I mentioned earlier, the mom. Wendell Pierce played That's Wilbur Bradford. Really you know, yeah, go ahead, sis. Those are all we, the main. Uh, oh, and of course, we said Regina King as Margie Hendricks. We, we, we need a pause. Go ahead, At the mother. At the mother. Listen, what's her name? Sharon? Sharon what? Sharon Warren as Aretha Sharon Robinson. Warren. Sharon, I, I, 
I don't know if you're ever going to see this podcast, but I want to watch we'll send anything. It to her. We'll find her and send it to her. Anything <laughs> that you ever do, I don't care if it's a play, a musical, mm-hmm. a movie, you could do an after school special. Well, according to, I I just want, to according to Wikipedia, <laughs> according to Wikipedia, she tapped out after 2006. Now, you know, Wikipedia is not, <laughs> is not the end all resource. Faithful. It's not. Yes. But what, she what, literally she has no credits. Like, okay, after. She that, did that, raise, that, which, that is, is, which is fan. Right. Well, and I want her to be happy wherever she at. Right. Uh, but I'm going to tell you what, life. that scene where she was struggling to let Ray find his own way, yes. that Ooh. scene was correct. No like, words it, it, were it happening. Just, it just. It didn't feel like acting, yo. It no. almost felt like we found this footage of <laughs> what happened. Of yes. what happened. She was nominated. Like, she was nominated for for an NAACP Image Award for that role for Outstanding Supporting Actress. She was nominated for a Satellite Award for Best Supporting Actress, um, an Online Fil- Film Critics Society Award, a Gold Derby Award. So the industry did recognize her. For how well she she played that, role. and they needed to. She mm-hmm. did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even know what else to say, other than she helped you to see a person act and showing you felt her grief as if yes. she had her own child yes. when George passed away when he drowned. Oh, yes. and then having. To the strength to move forward. Yes, and, oh, and you saw people. it. And now your oldest child is losing their sight. Oh my you, god. You just and I loved how they said she told him, she said, Your name is Ray Charles Robinson. Don't you ever forget that. You let everyone know. Mm. And he and that is how he was introducing himself as an adult. I'm Ray Charles Robinson. Like he he stood on the things that his mother taught him mm. and showed him. Yes. And so did. I just she did an amazing job. Overall, oh, she did so overall, well. This cast for me had no weak points. Not There wasn't a... And after watching the documentary, when you see some of the people who were being portrayed, it was casted even better than I thought. <laughs> Absolutely. Like they, they, it was like they really took time to pick people who could represent these actual people. Yeah. even like, even like Regina King's look she has a look that was good for that time period. I mean, her look is timeless, but I'm just saying she looks like a person who could she be- She could have been a Raylette. Yeah, no, she looked like she could be a Raylette. That, that's what I was trying to say. No, she looked like she could be a Raylette. And, and uh, it's, it's often, especially nowadays, there's always at least somebody who gets on your nerves in the movie. But like for this one, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't anybody. I, mm-hmm. I thought- I thought the class, the the cast was pretty flawless. Mm-mm. So good, so good. And you know, one of the it, in terms of like that awesome casting, they did an amazing job casting for the um, executives of yeah. a, of um, Atlantic yes. Records. Curtis, <laughs> like, Curtis that Armstrong, was like crazy. He looked exactly the like, the real, like I mean, the real, Amit, yeah, Amit like the real Okay, they look just like them. And let's let's use that as a segue to talk about, um, you know, Ray Charles as a businessman. 
Okay. Yeah. And I want to distinguish, this is a businessman. Now we have a lot of movies that we've done that have had businessmen in them. Okay. This is not a businessman. This is a business man. He knew his worth in the industry and he negotiated deals that actually were paradigm shifts. So he negotiated a deal when he, he started with Atlantic Records and then he was um, he got a deal with a big a big company, a big a major label, ABC Records. And when he got the big when the big label came to him, mind you, they came to him, sought him out. Okay. So he knew he knew he had the bargaining chips. And he said, Well, you know, I would I love Atlantic Records. They done so well by me. I couldn't bear leave them unless I could have the masters to all of my music. And they were like, no one does that. That doesn't happen. Well, he he made it happen. You know, he, has all the, he had all the cards. And I think Jamie Foxx did a great job portraying that because <laughs> in the moment, um, I think his blindness was almost a superpower in that moment because he didn't have to worry about the facial cues of the other person or, nope. or, or like how they were feeling. It's like, look, Jamie Foxx just was like, yeah, this is what it's going to be. And he just sat there like, mm. exactly. so I ain't got nothing else to say. And I feel like that's probably, watching that scene, you're like, this is probably how it happened. Totally. This is, this is, this yeah, is probably like, exactly, like, yeah, I want my masters to leave Atlantic and I don't even really got nothing else to say. And that yeah. is why Ray Charles had a net worth of $75 million when he died in mm. 2004. Did you hear what I said? Hear what I say. Did you hear what I said? <laughs> okay. 75 million. Man, I think that and even watching Jamie Foxx be the essence of Ray Charles, because Ray Charles just seemed like a fun person when you were watching him in a documentary, like he just likes to have a good time. Yeah, it makes me wonder because he did this deal with ABC Records at some point prior to the 80s, I, I think. I don't know. It was 59. It was 59. Mm -hmm. So it makes me wonder why so many artists post him. 69, bro. 69. 69. 69. I'm sorry. It makes me wonder why so many artists post him were able to be taken advantage of, weren't able to get their masters, weren't, you know, or didn't have that thought process or that foresight. They, they didn't have, you, you could have the leverage. Yeah, they might have had the thought process, but they ain't have but the they, leverage. But it, it, yeah. You don't got the leverage because like, he was the hottest thing. And, and but, but, uh, but, but also remember that he started at a small label. And he, he is, his career even started before he had a label. And mm -hmm. so the thing about it is his, his early years of being taken advantage of did happen. They just sure. didn't happen at a record label. If you think at a record about label, it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you yeah. know, there's something that is corrupt in this industry where every story you hear, it starts out with people getting taken advantage of at the beginning. So he did have that. Sis. It just wasn't at the major record label. You know? I do have a question for y'all when y'all are ready. Because it feels like somebody was about to say something. Go well, for I was this. just saying we. I was just saying we. I was ready to start talking about the cinematography. So just let before we even. You know, okay. Well, I was going to ask. Were and and Janai, you may know this from your research. Were so the moments that he was being like, I'll just say it like this: there were white savior moments that were happening in Big this time. movie, and it made me wonder if those were. Did those actually happen in real life? Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I that that would be my question. Like, did those actually happen? Because the moments I'm speaking of are like when he was in the small country, the well, first of all, getting taken to the small country band uh, to be a part of it. And then after being in it, being paid properly, he was about to be paid incorrectly, but one of his bandmates made sure that he was paid properly. Um, and even right down to like Atlantic Records, making sure that certain things were happening or even um, the man that was promoting him in these different places. Um, it just the only were all one, of these genuine. The only one that I didn't really get like kind of validated through looking at other videos and, and reading articles was that um, that that person who uh, revealed to him the at country. the very beginning that he was being taken advantage of yeah. um, at that very first club in Seattle. Yes, when he with Terrence Howard. Up. Yes, with Terrence Howard. So mm. that was the only white savior relationship that I did not see other places so, so that it was validated. Okay. But all those other ones, sis, it was white people making these interventions for him, you know? Yeah, and I, and, and, and I, and I felt like... Well, they had the power in the industry. Yeah. That know? as well. So, yeah, that as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, another question I had. Was it confirmed that he did actually not... I know that they kicked him out of the state, but was it because of him not performing at that actual venue like how they were protesting and then the guy you know said hey they're not letting black people in here don't perform here and then ray immediately like you know turned around and left the venue was yes it that was real as well i don't know if it was at that venue but i know that the reason for the band was because he wouldn't play to segregated audiences Okay. We're talking about the actual event, but that actual yeah, moment that actual of like moment that young happened. man helping to pull the blinders off and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Ray, you can't do this. That that was a I moment that that was a moment that felt like it it could be either way. Mm -hmm. Like like I, I felt like that could have been cinematic license, or yeah. that could have been how it happened. I, I and they also they also had that scene where Quincy Jones had already stopped. Quincy Jones, whose star had also yeah, was also rising yeah. at the time, they ran into each other. And Quincy Jones is like, "I'm not doing the South no more because I'm not playing in Jim Crow." Yeah. And 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 Char Ray Charles was like, "Well, that's where the money is, so I'm going wherever that money is, and it's right. down there in the South. So I'll see. I'll be going." He said, "He literally said more money for me in the movie." <laughs> but then he got down there and had the crisis of conscience, yeah, um, and said, "No, I I can't play with these segregated audiences. It is in alignment with my values." So, but since that's a good one for us to research later, which I will, because I just want to know now, is yeah. that, was that a real moment? Mm. You know, good. And yeah. bro, you were going to take us to the cinematography. Yeah, because that, that's the last thing we got to talk about, right? I think that's we, it. We've checked off our list here. Yeah, well, there yeah, is yeah, one yeah, thing sure. I want to talk about after the cinematography. All right, well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, the, uh, the, it was beautifully shot. And even the moments the dream sequences and just the uses of color. And then when they were, even when they were showing his transition to blindness, it just felt like everything was so careful. Yeah. And, and, and so, and it, the scene where he was singing his new version of country fusion or whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. And everybody was, while and out that they lowered the the lights and and mm. you really felt that yeah, almost yeah. like you were in there in, in the theater so yeah i definitely loved everything about it yeah it did it was really good i agree i, I agree beautifully shot you said it bro 
I will, the one thing I, to your point about the dream sequences, that's what I wanted to bring up. I don't think we can leave this review and not discuss trauma and what can happen in a person's life and how it can manifest itself. And this movie spoke a lot to that. Mm. Him, at any point, there can be a trigger. And for Ray, his trigger was all of a sudden he was in a space of thinking that there was water somewhere. It would could be his suitcase. It was on the floor outside of the bathroom at one of the clubs. There were so many different spaces that he was experiencing um, this tragic event that happened to him. And even right after that, now you have a situation where your brother has drowned and passed away. Not too long after that, you use your you lose your sight as a child. Then not too long after that, you have to leave everything you know and go to a school that caters um to your um your 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 ability uh to your abilities. And so I just I wanted to just name how his coping mechanisms. I'm happy that they didn't shy from that. Mm. And I do think that that I'm happy that his, the man that did the biography with him named that in his article about the other things that happened. And so I don't, I don't want us to miss that opportunity to show what can happen if you don't deal with something or you don't know how to deal with something. You don't know the tools to deal with something or don't even have access mm. to the tools to deal with something, how that can make itself known. Mm. Um, and I know we said about Bokeem Woodbine's character, he put Fathead's character trying to get Ray to stop, or start, not start from start, not start yeah. drugs. And we go to Ray, Ray not telling because Marjorie wanted to start doing drugs with him and he was a very adamant telling her, do not do that. Yeah, that was a nice parallel. It that was, was a nice, that was a nice callback parallel. Did an amazing mm-hmm. job. And I, before we, I, I wanted to say, I've seen some wild stuff in movies. I've seen some things that made me jump in movies. But when I was in the movie theater and that baby arm popped out of that suitcase, that Listen, was an impactful that, And can I moment. tell you, can I and tell like, you that that is part like that is that is part of the reason I have not watched that movie repeatedly. Um yo, but it was to, so subtle. It was but it was just like even just and it, and it just the baby art that was jumpy. So they did a phenomenal job. Oh my god. And since I felt like I was in I was with it for a moment. <laughs> sis, you, you have you have set me up yeah. to give us a, a little bit of trivia. Okay. And to Trinity read time. and to read a Ray Charles quote as we wrap and get to the phone, y'all. Okay. So, sis, believe it or not, the that that David Ritz, the person who co-wrote the biography, the autobiography, said that the his brother dying is not the thing that really haunted Ray in real life. Mm. In fact, he did try to save his brother's life in the tub it didn't go down like they did it in the movie that he actually did try to save his brother unsuccessfully obviously i wanted to talk about that too i'm glad you brought oh yeah that, that, they didn't even address that yeah that he so, just watched he did he, so in real yeah. life he did try okay, to save yes. his brother okay but, but the thing that was that was that was that was the reason for his actual first um breakdown was his mother's death 
Aretha's mm. death. And so okay. the thing that was haunting him, the way that they had the death of his brother haunting him in the movie, in real life, the thing that was plaguing him was the mourning for his biological mother. Sure. That's what did it. Wow. I wonder so, why they decided to switch that up. And obviously, because I, okay I think it could have worked either way. And he was okay with it. Like, yeah, he was okay, okay with it, but I just, trip. but but I feel like it would have worked yeah. either way, you know. So I would, but yeah. anyway. but the, but the power of a baby arm and a in a suitcase. But I got, I ain't gonna lie to you. If it was a grown up arm, I think anybody's arm. Just an arm in my suitcase. You weren't, look, we, we were not expecting that. <laughs> you don't want an arm we, in your suitcase. You weren't expecting that because this is not like a supernatural movie or, or something like that. No. Yeah. It was just, he's it, it, just, I'm packing my suitcase. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> then, Water. Me... And at first, you're like, does somebody spill something in the suitcase? What is all this water? What's all this water? Okay, so the last the last yeah. part of this article by David Ritz, before we go to the vote, I'm just going to read it to to you. Okay, right. the producers of Ray make such make make much of the fact that Ray himself endorsed the movie. That's certainly true. He wanted a successful crossover movie to mirror his successful crossover music. He participated and helped in any way he could. In one of our last discussions, Ray reminded me that the process of trying to sell Hollywood began 26 years ago when producer-director Larry Schiller optioned his story. Since then, there have been dozens of false starts. It wasn't mm -hmm. until his son, Ray Jr., producer Stuart Benjamin, and the director Hackford stayed on the case that the cameras rolled. And here's the quote. Hollywood is a cold-blooded motherfucker, said Ray. It's easier to bone the president's wife than to get a movie made. So I say, God bless these cats. God bless Benjamin and Hackford and Ray Jr. Weren't for them, this would never have happened. And now that it's happening, maybe I'll have a better chance of being remembered. I can't ask for anything more. Take us to the vote, bro. Take us to the vote. Well, yeah, I think anybody watching this pretty much knows where this is going, but I... <laughs> To tell you that I forgot how good this movie was. Okay. Is, is. I forgot how good. Like, I love the movie. I remember loving the movie when I went in the theater. But so, when I saw the time, like two and a half hours, I was another long one. And I didn't feel it at all. I didn't feel the time of the movie at all. And I, I found myself looking forward to seeds, like when he was, when they were about to, do the watch what I say. I was like, ah, oh, this is the scene. This is the scene. And uh and and uh, like when he laid the tracks, all, all those things that we talked about. I was looking forward to these scenes, which tells you two things. First of all, I haven't seen this movie since 2004. Mm. So we're talking about almost 20 years. And all of these scenes still are in my head. You mm. know what I'm saying? To the yes. point where I knew they were coming up yes. so this is now that i i had a sneaky film is gonna be a, a classic you know for me <laughs> for the beginning but what i'm saying is it's a classic in the sense of it is now entering my rotation so not only does it get my glasses my ray glasses this will be a movie that i revisit several times you so, said yes. it bro you said it bro yeah. let me just say and again surprise surprise this movie's a classic for me <laughs> <laughs> you're kidding it definitely gets my sunglasses. And I'm going to tell y'all why. I can say it in two two words. It's a name. Jamie Foxx. 
Okay. Because I said to myself, if this movie had the exact same writing and the exact same cinematography and all the same supporting actors, but somebody else in the lead, would it, would it, would it work? Would it be sitting with me the way it is? And I just feel strongly the answer is no. No, I think that Jamie Foxx was born to play this part. He said it. He said he felt like he had spent his whole career and his whole life preparing for this role somehow, you know, without knowing it. And so it is that perfect casting and that awesome performance. It makes me want to start an award show and then give the award to Jamie Foxx. (laughs) Okay, you get the inaugural Right Perspective Award, (laughs) Jamie Foxx, because you are the bomb.com. So for that, for 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 because of him, because of his masterful performance alone, this movie gets my sunglasses for sure. Well, I will say this movie had all the things that you need to make an amazing movie. You get to see the beginning, and I won't necessarily say the end, but the continuation. Mm-hmm. You get a chance to see the background story. You got a chance to see the music, just all of the things, or just in even a period of time that was quite tumultuous for, for Black people. And still getting a chance to see a different side of it, right? Mm. Getting a chance to see this other perspective. And so at any rate, just echoing the things that my brother and sister have said, it definitely gets my sunglasses. Mm. I don't know if I would be someone that watches it over and over again. <laughs> I don't think that I, I, I like it. I don't like it that much. I like it a lot, but I don't know because it is heavy. The movie is really good, but it's a little heavy. So I don't know if I would watch it multiple times, but I would definitely watch it again um, because I would enjoy it. The two and a half hours they were singless. So it definitely gets my sunglasses. Oh, man. And y'all, I have to say, um, I don't know how much I watch it. Like, sis, I don't know how much I watch it, but that playlist. That Spotify playlist of Ray Charles, I will be revisiting. I really genuinely enjoyed listening to it. So now I can honestly say, I can honestly say, I'm a fan of his music, you know? And again, this is what he wanted. He wanted a chance of being remembered. So we, we remember you, Ray Charles. We remember you real good. And y'all, we hope you remember to... Tune in again (laughs) and watch and listen to The Right Perspective. Y'all, we have wrapped our first episode of season four. Thank you for joining us. Ray is a classic from The Right Perspective. We'll see you all in the next few weeks. Thank you so much. Bye. Love Love y'all. Bye.